Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, preparing for a new season. How many are ready for a new season in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Preparing for a new season, and I know there were some direct things from the Lord today that he's given to me for us today in this place. So let's receive it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says this. Can we read it out loud and read it loudly? And let's fill this place with the voice of God's word this morning. Let's read. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. But the very first verse again says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven. I want you to notice that God created things in seasons. To everything, there's a season. To everything in your life, there's a season. Your love life, there's a season. Your education life, there's a season. Your financial life, there's a season. Your business life, there's a season. There's a season for everything in your life. And uh, there's a time, notice, for every purpose under the heavens. I want you to notice that God put together uh, through this verse, through we, we see the wisest man on earth ever, whoever lived besides Jesus himself, said that there's a time for every season and for every purpose. Can I say this morning that every season has a certain purpose? We're all walking into a brand new season of something in our lives, but every season, is a, there's a purpose attached to the season. But if you walk into the season without knowing the purpose for the season, you can walk into a season and just say, ah, it's just another season. And you'll just treat it like another season. But can I tell you, the season that you're stepping into, there's a purpose that's attached to the season. And I believe that God wants you to know what the purpose of the season is as you walk into the season. Because if you know the purpose to the season, when you walk into the season and things happen in the season, you'll understand that there's a purpose that God's accomplishing as you're walking through the season. So when you hit the trials and you wonder, why the trials? Well, there's a purpose. Why the challenges? Well, there's a purpose. Because God's not just trying to get you through the season. God's trying to get the purpose for the season in you and accomplished through you. So it's important that you know that the, the season's for a purpose to be accomplished in your life. He says, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose, or a season for every purpose. 
See, if you look at the things that are good about your life or the things that God has done in your life, there's probably a number of attributes or good things that God's done that you say, wow, those are characteristics that I've developed. Those are things that have been uh, worked in me. Maybe there's a love that you have for people and you just say, where did that love come from? It came from a season. That if you looked back in your life, God worked that thing in your life to where now you're in a new season and you you, you took the things from the last season and brought them into the next season. Your life and the good things about your life and the bad things about your life are really just a collection of things that have happened from last seasons in your life. So when he says, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven, can I tell you, God has things that he wants to do in your life. And you really want to ask, as you're entering into a new season, God, what are you doing in me this next season? What is it that you're saying in my life during this next season? There's a time for every purpose. God has put purpose in you, but all of it won't be fulfilled today. There are dreams that God put in your heart. There are plans that God put in your heart. There's something in your design that you say, I don't understand, but I'm not fulfilling the thing that God has for me. And can I tell you, some of it may be two seasons away. But he's got to accomplish something in this season to get to the thing he's accomplishing next season, to get to the the thing that he's actually designed you for. And if we don't have patience and understand what he's doing in this next season, we'll skip over it and try to get to it and we'll get to the, the place that we feel called to, but the steps to get there aren't ready. And what do you end up doing? What happens to a building when you build it up too tall and it doesn't have its foundation? It falls. See, you see these big skyscrapers, and I don't know exactly what the equation or the measurement is, but they say as high as it goes, it's got to go a certain level of depth and width. In order to go high, you got to go deep and wide in your life. And so many times, so much of the foundation for something big that God's trying to develop, God's saying, no, I need to develop some depth in you. And you say, no, 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 I don't feel called to depth, I feel called to height. And God's saying, I don't have a problem with the height. The problem is you can have the height and you won't stand. Because I I have to first develop the depth and first develop the width. And once I can get the depth and the width, the height is no problem. God can just go boom, 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 boom. In fact, God said to the people in Joshua, he said that he took Joshua and in one day he exalted Joshua's name to the whole nation. In one day. God just took him and said, okay, Joshua's the man. Ready? And all the people went, Joshua, where have you been? See, God has no problem exalting you. God has no problem making you the man and opening up doors and and doing things in your life. The problem is, are you ready for the exaltation? Are you ready for the, the height that he's called you to? But sometimes walking into a new season and we go, this is the season. I'm going to win. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have my wife or my husband and I'm going to have kids and I'm going to have the American dream and I'm going to have all these things. And God's like, yeah, you ain't ready for it. You know what you're ready for? You're ready for, this season's a season of humility. You're like, humility? That's not the promises of God. That's not the promises of God. The promises of God are this. Well, that's true, but God works in seasons of our lives. 
And I think what we all want to know, every one of them, I pray this prayer, Lord, whatever it is you're doing in me and saying in me in this season, that's what I need. Can somebody say amen today? Come on, say it like you mean it. Amen. Yeah. We need whatever God has for us in this season. God's put purpose in you, but it won't all be fulfilled today. So what purpose is the purpose of this season? Entering into a new season. You know, here in the South, in Memphis, Tennessee, this is my, uh, my I guess, my second year of entering into the fall. And, uh, and I've noticed that there's seasons here. Where I came from, we were void of seasons. We had one season. It was like, you know, 80 degrees all year long pretty much. And, you, you know, you went to the beach all year long and you kind of went just to, you didn't have seasons. And so we said, they go, I'm four seasons. I go, we were one season. So we didn't know. But I've noticed something about seasons. Seasons is something you have to prepare for. Seasons is something that actually costs some money on some seasons, right? You have to prepare for, you know, like, like uh, you know, if you have a pool, there's certain things you have to do. Do you have to shut down? The, you know, I have... There were so many things I, I thought I knew life till I came to the South. I've asked a thousand questions. They, you know, one guy came up to me and he said, have you, put, uh, have you put the insulation over your water, you know, spout or, yeah. And I said, over what? He said, you know, have you insulated it? I said, neighbor, I don't know what you're talking about. What, what are you talking about? And he, he pulled out a thing. It kind of looked like a cup, you know, so, like an athletic cup or something. He, he, he said this thing, and he said, here, he said, uh, you, I have an extra one. You can take that. And I said, now, what's that for? He said, that was for your water spout. I said, on my, on my house. He said, yeah. He said, okay. He said, take that and, and put it over, and you kind of strap that thing on you, and you put it over, and it insulates it so that when it gets cold, your pipes don't freeze. And I said, okay. Now, how do you do that? And I had, you know, I looked it up on YouTube. How do you put this thing on? I mean, it could, should seem simple. And then it took me 10 minutes to get that thing on. And then I went and got to get another one. And then I thought, no, I went and asked the neighbor, knock, knock, knock. How long do I leave it on for? Why do you just leave it on when, on the cold nights? Okay, and then I went back, knock, knock, knock. How do I know when the cold nights are? And how cold are the cold nights? Well, the thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm just learned all just about that, you know. And then someone else said, oh, okay, we have a pool in our backyard. And they said, okay, uh, when it gets to be such and such degrees, you know, such and such can happen to the pool. And I said, okay, so what do I do? Well, you could either close the pool or you could, I mean, I thought, you need an education just to live in different seasons. And there's a cost just to live in different seasons. Thing after thing, you know, and the thing with, uh, with driving, you know, and I know there's not a ton of snow here in Memphis, but driving, you know, with the ice and, and the different things you do, you know, with, uh, with uh, the antifreeze and you're supposed to, and I said, anti what? You know, we're just not used to some of those things. There's different seasons that you, there, there's a cost and there's a preparation for. And if you don't prepare for those seasons, what happens? Something that you weren't expecting or that you weren't anticipating or that you didn't want, right? You have to prepare for those seasons. There's cost, there's preparation, and there's time that, that's involved. The lesson, though, that I learned was that the season will come on you whether you're prepared for it or not. <laughs> and you know that's the way it is in life. The season you're about to enter in, you say, I don't want to think about that. It's going to come anyway. If you're ready for it, you'll get the benefits of it. If you're not ready for it, you'll, you'll probably take the season again next year. And you say, why am I doing this? Why, does God, why is God doing the same? Anybody ever felt like you're in the same lesson you were in like two years ago? 
You know why? God does the lessons over. God just, God just lets you take the lesson until you pass it. You know, it's kind of like, like the picture of the person that's in the third grade, and they're taking the third grade lesson, and then next year they're, taking this, they're still in third grade, and the desk, like, keeps getting smaller. But it's not the desk that's getting smaller. It's just you're getting bigger. So you have this big dude in this little bitty desk, right? Why? God lets you take the same test over and over until you pass it, and then he'll graduate you. He'll move you on. Sometimes we want to say, God, I don't want that test. But can I tell you, you have to take it. Because why? Because he loves you. And he knows you can't get to the next thing until you've done this thing. Some of you are going through something right now and you go, I don't want to take this test. You, go, you have to take it. And God's going to help you through it. And you're probably sitting here right now because he's trying to prepare you for it. And he's trying to get you, get you through this one. Why? So that he can get you to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. And then you'll be ready for some of the things that he has for you too. But don't avoid the test. Look at your neighbor and say, don't avoid the test. Come on, just tell him. You can't avoid the test. You can't skip over the test. Because if you skip over the test, it's going to come around again. God loves you too much to move you forward. God loves you too much to move you on. So the lesson is the season will come whether you're prepared for it or not. I'm going to give you three points. Number one, God works in you, but you have to work it out. Write this down. God works in you, but you have to work it out. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Philippians 2.12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now also more in my absence, listen to this, work out, can you say the words work out? <laughs> Someone says, I don't like to work out. <laughs> Come on, say work out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in. Say works in. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So do all things without complaining or disputing. Can you say that last, uh, last part all together? Do all things without complaining or disputing. Somebody needs to say that to themselves. Ready? Do all things without complaining or disputing. So I want to point out these words again. In verse 12, it says, work out your own salvation. And then verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you. See, this is the way it works with the Lord. God works in you, but it's important for you to work it out. God will work it in, but you have to work it out. But I want God to work it out. No, God ain't going to work it out. He's going to help you to work it out. But, but God's going to work it in. How, how does he work it in? Well, just you're sitting here this morning and listening to this word. He's working it in. He's working something inside of you right now, and you say, but I don't like it. I don't like him to work something in because I know if he puts it in, then now I'm responsible to work it out. Yeah, that's the point. That's part of taking the test. It's kind of like sitting in class and taking it in, and then the test allows you to take it out. It allows you to see what you took in. The outflow, it only shows the results of what the inflow is. But you have to take it in and assimilate it and process it, and then they ask you those questions in a different way. You ever take those tests before, and they ask you the question, and you say, man, they've never taught me that before. Well, no, no, they're not asking it always the same way as they told it. They're teaching you how to process it, and then they're asking in a way to say, did you catch the lesson so that, you know, when I ask a different a question in a different way in a different scenario, you caught how the lesson was taught over here. 
See, God's telling you things, and then it's up to you to work those things in and then to work those things out of you. Notice again, he says, my beloved brethren, you've always obeyed. You're, you're good at this. He said, not only when I'm here, but when I'm gone. He says, but I want, you to, 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 I want you to know that you need to work out your own salvation. He didn't say you need to come up with salvation. See, God's already came up with salvation. But he said you do have to work out your salvation. With fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I want you to notice what God works in you. He works in you two things. God works in you to will. Your will is your want to. Your will is, I do want to do this and I don't want to do this. See, our flesh and our mind a lot of times will determine your will. Like, for instance, you know, someone might say, hey, uh, let's go grab dinner. And you might say, oh, what do I feel like eating, right? What do I, what do I will to eat? What do I, or, or um, hey, um, uh, maybe you're in between jobs right now and you need a job. And you say, oh, well, which job do I want to do? Which job do I will to do? But when we serve the Lord in our lives, when we made Jesus the Lord of our lives, the Bible says that he will work his will in you. It's God who works in you both to will for his good pleasure and to do for his good pleasure. So if we've committed our lives to the Lord, it's important to not only commit our hearts to the Lord, but our will to the Lord. To say, God, work your will inside of me. In fact, can we just pray that right now in your own life? Say, God, it's you who works in me both to will and to do for your good pleasure. See, and that's what we need to pray. I know that there's been many, many times that the Lord has spoken something to my heart or put something in my heart and I felt like I was supposed to do it. One was move to Memphis, Tennessee and to plant a church. And the first thing that I prayed, the very first thing that I prayed, I said, okay. Philippians 2.13 says, well, it's God who works in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So God, I pray that you put a desire inside of me to do that. Because I have personally right now a desire to be at the beach. I love the beach. I hear the Lord at the beach. I go to the beach. I, love, I, I just love going down to the beach. Okay, And I, and I looked in, on the map. There's no beach. <laughs> so I said, so God, you, I understand. Okay? I get it. And, and quite honestly, I love Memphis, Tennessee. I was in California this week. I was flying back, and I'm like, I'm coming home. I love Memphis, Tennessee. But you know who put that in there? God. God put it in there. God worked in me both to will, something to will. And then he says not only to will, but to do for his good pleasure. In other words, he'll help you want it, and he'll help you do it. He'll help you desire it, and he'll help you do it. You may think, I don't even desire to serve the Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a miracle that I'm sitting in church this morning. I don't even want to be here. I just know I'm supposed to. It's a good step. It's okay. You know what I've noticed with the Lord? Just be honest. I've told the Lord all kinds of times, I don't want to do this. Jesus told Father God, I don't want to do this. Didn't he? What did he say? Not my, but your will. In other words, I don't will the same thing you will right now. I don't really feel like getting beaten and crucified in the next 24 hours. That's not really what I was signing up, what I really hoped for. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So it's God who works in you both to will and to do. He'll help you carry it out. 
That's the thing that I would, I really recommend to you, that as you sense whatever the season is, whatever the purpose is, to come before the Lord and to say, God, I submit my will to your will. Somebody needs to say it this morning. I submit my will to your will. Say, not my will, but your will be done. And then he'll help you to will and to do for his good pleasure. But then it's important for us to work it out with fear and trembling and do all things without complaining or disputing. Why? Because you may think, well, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to complain about it because this ain't easy. You hear people talk about the will of the Lord like that? Like they're like, are you, uh, how are you doing? Are you serving the Lord? <laughs> uh, I am, but it ain't what, it ain't, it ain't what I want to do. It's what he, it's, I guess that's what he wants to do. All right, right? Same, this wasn't my idea. But I guess if that's what he wants, guess I'll do it. I'm not talking to anybody in here, am I? You know what I wanted? Let me tell you, this is what I wanted. And they'll, they'll go for 10 minutes tell you, here's, here's what I, as if that's really the superior way. What God wanted, I'm just obeying him because, you know, and I guess he has some purpose in it. Can I tell you, whatever God wants in your life is a better plan than you could have come up with. And whatever God wants in your life is a step toward the plan that he has for you. And sometimes I think when our plans are different than God's plans and we wonder why that is, it's because you see a glimpse of God's plan. There's 10 steps and you see step seven. And you're like, but God, you told me this, so I'm going to go after this. No, you're going to go after step seven. But God's saying, that's true. It's not, I'm not denying it. It's not like you're doing something. But it's not the timing. It's not the right way. You're going to miss out. If God is leading you to do something, he's leading you to do it in the right step and sequence that he has. Why in the world did Jesus not start his ministry till he was 30? That's a waste of time. Wouldn't you think that just in the natural? Like he was 30 years? He didn't do any miracles for 30 years. And then after thir three, you know, 30 years, he comes and he only has 12 followers? I mean, that's not a leader. 12 followers? You know? But yet, well, he has all these people that would come visit him, you know, for these big things. But he only picked 12. Couldn't he have picked more? And then he only stays for three years. And, and then he goes, like, couldn't he have been more effective? See, we can all rationalize the pros and the cons in the way that we would think it through. But can I tell you, God's plan was perfect with Jesus. And Jesus came, and here, 2,000 plus years later, his ministry is still the ministry that changed the world. But it was a perfect plan. We would, none of us would have done it that way. And the same thing with you. Sometimes you're like, God, I've been saved for all these years. And what, what's the deal? Why, am, why are you waiting so long? God, that's not the right idea. It's not the right plan. And God's saying, it's the perfect plan. You just need to do this next step. You just need to do the next thing I'm telling you to do. It's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So do all things without complaining and disputing. <laughs> Why? Because it ain't you who's working it anyway. It's God who's working it. Number two, you determine the success of your harvest. You determine the success of your harvest. In Psalm 1, verse 1, it says this. In fact, could we all read this together? Psalm 1, 1, it says, Blessed 
is the man, let's read it together, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Notice, whatever he does shall prosper. You determine the success of your harvest. That is not popular to say in church because most Christians that I know will say this, well, it's up to God. You know whatever God wants. You know if God wants, well, whatever God wants, God will do. You know that's not true. God wants everyone to be saved. Is everyone going to be saved? I said, is everyone going to be saved? No. So God doesn't get everything he wants. God wants every person to serve him. Is everyone going to serve him? No. Is every person going to heaven? No. God doesn't get everything he wants. God's given humanity choice. And most of the time, we can blame our deficient harvest on God. Well, God, I'm just going through. I'm like Job. I relate, I relate to Job, God. I'm going through Job, God. You know, in fact, I'm going to read some of Job <laughs> to find out how Job got through it. Well, I'll tell you how Job got through it is in the last book of Job, God gave Job double. Right. So I'm not saying you're not going to go through some problems or go through some things. But can I tell you, you determine, you see it over and over and over and over and over in the word. We are a, de- a big determining factor of the harvest that we see. And let me show you again. Psalm chapter 1 says, the person is blessed who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. If you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, he says, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice the progression. He's walking in the counsel of the ungodly. He's standing, and then he ends up doing what? He's sitting. He's saying, if you don't Walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the scene of the scornful. What's the scornful? It's those who, who sit there and call out people, targeting people, putting down people, scorning people. You know the way you ought to do it. Here's the way you think you ought to do it. That's scornful. And he says, if you don't walk with these people, he says, but instead, his delight or his, the thing he takes joy in is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates Day and night, what is meditates? It's that's what he ponders. He thinks about what the word of God says. He says, this man will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth, underline this or highlight this if you have this, listen, it's fruit in its season. Okay, listen, church, you have fruit and you have a season. People may not be able to eat your fruit right now because it's not the season for the fruit. You don't go to a tree in wintertime and say, oh, there's no apples on this tree. This must not be an apple tree. No, it's an apple tree. It's not the season for apples, though. You have fruit that God's put in your life, but it may not be the season for your fruit to produce yet. So the Bible says that if on a 365-day cycle you're keeping God's word in your heart, not people's word in your heart, You're keeping God's word in your ears, not people's ears, not Google's ears, not your friend's ears, Uncle Joe's ears, right? My best friend told me, well, I looked it up on such and such. No, 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 no. If you keep God's word in your heart and in your ears, when the season comes for your fruit to bear fruit, you'll be ready. 
and you'll, you'll bear fruit. And people will come by and say, well, how did that all of a sudden just pop up? Yesterday I was talking to you. Well, yesterday it wasn't the season. Today is the season. The season just started. You're entering into a new season. But can I tell you, you won't bear your fruit in that season unless you meditate the word of God. Unless you keep God's word in your heart. So it's fruit in its season. Notice this also. His leaf shall not wither and whatever he does will prosper. His leaf won't wither. In other words, your plans won't dry out. Things that you do will work. Business deals you do will work. Financial things you do will work. Your family will work. Your endeavors, your, your, the opportunities that come up and you step forward on them because you know God's leading you, they'll work. Which ones of them? All of them. Whatever he does, is that what, did I say that or did the word say that? Whatever he does shall prosper. How can we have guaranteed success in our lives? By meditating God's word and keeping other things out. Whatever he does, the Bible says, shall prosper. Is that what it says? Whose leaf also shall not wither. What does that mean? It means some things don't work. They're drying up. Are things drying up in your life? Can I tell you, if you have areas that are drying up in your life and they're not working, they're not because you're plugged into God. It's because you're plugged into something else. The things that you're plugged into other things, they'll dry up. What did Jesus say in John 15? I am the true vine, which lends itself to believe that there's other vines besides the true vine. And then number three, number three, so number two was you determine the success of your harvest. If you want a successful harvest, it's important that you abide in the Lord and in his word and meditate his word. And then point number three is this. Faith and patience is required. Entering into your new season, faith and patience is required. Hebrews chapter three, <laughs> you remember the children of Israel, Hebrews chapter three and verse 16, it says, for who having heard rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt, they were led by Moses. He says, now with whom he was angry for 40 years, was it not those who sinned whose corpses fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Verse 19, this is what it, it, it sum, sums it up in. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Why didn't the children of Israel enter into their new season? Why didn't they enter into the season God promised for them to enter into? Unbelief. Let me ask you it like this and, and catch this. Did God promise these people to enter into a new season? What, was it their land? Was it a land that God already paid for and took care of it, so to speak, in the spirit? He already destined for them to walk in. Yes. But did they enter into it? See, well, if it's God's will, it'll just happen. Well, well was it God's will for them to enter in? Did it happen? Does God have things planned for you that will not happen if you don't walk in? What was the, what was the thing that held them back? Come on, say it out loud. What was the thing that held them back? Unbelief. Which shows... God can promise things to you, and they won't happen. Well, did he lie? Did God lie? But why didn't I enter into those things? Unbelief. So who was the problem? Was it God or me? Me. Was it God's heart or my heart? It was my heart. It wasn't God's heart. God put the promise in his word, which shows this season God has things pro that he's promised for you, but they won't happen if you can't believe them. They won't happen. You know what God allowed to happen? He said he had to allow all their corpses to die in the wilderness 
And only two, out of a million people, only two people entered into the promised land. And you know who that was? Caleb and Joshua. Two people. And those were the same two spies, remember, that walked in the land. And they were like, we're well able to take the land. They believed. And God said, I'll let all the rest of, I'll, I'll let, I learned this. I'll let all y'all die. I'll let all y'all die. And you know God will let all y'all die. He'll let, he'll let all of us die if we can't enter in with belief. How do we believe? How does faith come? Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When we meditate the word of God, it allows us to see what it is that God's called us to. It allows us to see the results of the next season. It allows us to see something different than we're operating in right now. And when we see it, what happens? We can walk forward into it. And people go, you're crazy. And you go, no, this is what God says. See, crazy is sometimes equated with faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We cannot see things, but God's saying, but that's the point. I'm telling you to do it. Nobody else sees it, but I'm telling you to do it. And you have to meditate until you see it. And then we get over in that. And we say, I'm walking by faith. I'm walking into the promised land. I'm walking into what God. And God's saying, you got it, boy. You got it, girl. That's what I'm calling you to. But if we meditate on the things we do see, we can't enter into. God has promised them a new land. But though he promised it, they didn't qualify for it. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. This is all in Hebrews. It says, do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience. Church, we need faith and patience. Why? Because faith requires patience because you can't have faith for two minutes. And if you don't see it, you go, well, I tried. No, you tried for two minutes. Well, how long do you try? How long do you step out there until it happens? God doesn't play nine-inning games. You know, it's kind of like the, the person that's out there on the ball field, right? The street ball. And they're playing, and they get to eight innings and nine innings. And he's like, come on, one more inning. Let's go one more inning. God doesn't play nine inning games. God plays until he wins. And can I tell you, that's the way faith does. It steps out on what God said. I'm not talking about having faith in faith or having faith in you. But I'm talking about having faith in the word of the Lord. What is God saying to you? In this next season, it takes faith. He says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.